Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I am so excited excited about this upcoming September. Now you want to write this date down because we're getting ready to do a huge church-wide baptism out at Catfish Bay. So write this down. It's going to be September 20th and we will give you more details. But here's what I'm asking you is that if you've not been baptized or maybe you've been baptized but you'd like to be baptized again, we want to encourage you to sign up. You can go to our webpage, you can make that happen, or on the weekend you can submit a a card and say, I want to be baptized, whatever it is, call the office. We want to encourage you to sign up. It is going to be an incredible day as we share in food and fellowship, and then we're going to invade the water and watch God do amazing things. So, So get signed up. It's going to be amazing. And then also I want to encourage you, up and coming on Labor Day weekend is a play. And you can see all the details on the screen right now. It's called Lost in Vegas. And it's going to be down at the Orpheum Theater. And I want to encourage you. Now, listen carefully. I know with all this COVID stuff that there's all this social distancing and people start thinking about going to an auditorium where a whole bunch of people are. But, but I'm going to really ask that God and the power of the Spirit would protect us. And, and we need to be wise. We need to use our minds and do the right things. But I want to encourage you to go down and be a part of this play. And if for any reason, here it is, it's going to be an amazing story, but three of our very own celebrators are in it. Many of you know Rich Rosti has done some things on the stage here uh, in the past, and, and Rain Jerky, who's not in it, but his daughter Jasmine is in it. And then also Maggie Barcher. And so I want to encourage you, go down and support them, especially when I think about Jasmine. When you think about a child, it speaks volumes into their lives when they're on a stage and the theater is full of people who are cheering them on. And so I want to encourage you. It's going to be amazing. And you can get more of those details. You can notice on the screen the webpage. It's going to be an exciting time. Now, listen, I want to tell you a story. There's a story about a Welsh woman who lived in a very remote part of Wales. She went to a great deal of trouble as well as expense to finally get electrical power installed in her home. I mean, you can imagine for the first time, you got power. Well, however, after a couple of months, the electric company noticed that she had not been using her electricity. They thought it strange. They were thinking there was a problem. So they sent one of their very own out to check it out. After looking at the meter and looking things over, he went to the lady and he said, you know, we just checked your meter and it doesn't seem that you're using much electricity. Is there a problem? To which she quickly replied, oh, no, 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 no. I'm quite satisfied. In fact, I'm really satisfied. You see, we turn it on at night just long enough to see how to light the lamps and then we quickly turn it off. Now you stop and think, Why in the world would you do that? See, that's a lady who obviously understands the power of electricity. Watch this. But she has no idea the potential. Would you agree with that? And I think the same can be said of God's people when it comes to prayer. We know the power. We have no idea the potential. We talk about it. But do we walk in it? See, we can speak about the importance of prayer. We can study it. We can believe in it. But you need to hear this. There's going to be no real power and potential in it until you exercise it. You've got to be doing it. 
See, I believe this. A lot of things can happen in life without prayer. A lot of things. And by the way, a lot of great things can happen without it. But catch this. But nothing of God will ever happen until we do it. And I want the things of God. This is what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 9, he said this, this kind can only happen in prayer. He's rebuking the disciples because there's a young boy who's possessed. And the disciples said, why couldn't we cast it out, Jesus? And he said, because this kind, you want that eternal God stuff? It only happens through prayer. Let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Charles Spurgeon, he was asked about all of his success in ministry. Do you know what he said, his response? Knee work, knee work. He's talking about being on your knees in prayer. Charles Finney, after preaching to a complete irreligious congregation, all lost people saw the entire congregation of thousands of people fall before God on the floor, crying out in agony over their sin. And when they asked him, how in the world did that happen? Do you know what he said? Prayer. We say it all the time, God's work done. God's way, that's through prayer. Never lacks God's support. Never, never, never. And yet so often I hear people say this, well, it's the least thing I can do. Well, let me just say this, it's the most we can do. <laughs> prayer isn't the last resort. It's the first response. And by the way, and then all the way through and all the way in the end, and it never stops. We can pray. If you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We have been in 14 weeks of a series going verse by verse through the book of James, talking about how do you develop a mature faith, a faith that really gets what it means to walk like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to, to believe like Jesus. And we're going to wrap it up talking about the power of prayer. And I want you to listen to this. We're going to begin at the 13th verse. But James was a man of prayer. In fact, most people don't know this. He had a reputation for it. Now, this is the half-brother of Jesus. This is the brother who wasn't believing at the cross that later would write this most amazing book. And he understood the power of prayer. In fact, he was given a nickname probably few of you even know. He was known as old camel knees. When he walked the earth, he was known as camel knees because of all the hours he spent on his knees and the incredible knots, calluses that formed there. Now today, I think a lot in the church would be called nicknamed old camel butt, okay? All right? I mean, I hate to say that, okay? Because I think too often we're, we're sitting, all right, more than doing. But I would love to have that nickname. Camel knees. That's amazing. I, I like to say that James is one of those farmer's insurance kind of guys. You know what I'm talking about? He, he knew a thing or two about prayer, okay? And uh, bump, 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 anyway. Okay. <laughs> My friends, listen. Prayer is our greatest power source. The Bible says that. But because of that, listen to this carefully. I think it's the greatest privilege we have as children of God and the greatest responsibility we have and the one that seems to get neglected a lot. We have a responsibility to pray. And if there's anything when it comes to the church why the church is impotent, is because the church is not intimate. That's the issue. 
There's no church without God. There's no church without the Holy Spirit. Nothing's going to happen with God on it unless we're people of prayer and we talk to God. Amen to that? Amen. We've got a responsibility. Folks, we can pray. This is why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. People ask me all the time, you know, when do you pray? I mean, I'm praying while I'm preaching right now. I don't think I ever stop. It's constantly in my mind. I'm constantly having a conversation with God. By the way, if you've seen me drive, you better be glad that I have a conversation <laughs> with God. All right? So if you got your Bibles, James chapter 5, I'm going to begin in the 13th verse. Look what it says. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. By the way, we don't realize that prayer is not just petitions to God. It's also praises and thanksgiving to God. That's what he's getting at. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and I, I want you to catch this because I don't want you to miss this. Because too often this is misinterpreted. Uh, instantly we're saying that only the elders can come as an instruction of a title. But really what James is saying is he's telling you how important it is to have a church family. Part of prayer isn't just talking to God. Part of talking with God is walking with his other children. And you're going through something. Such prayer, he says, offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Talk about the power of prayer. Look at verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. By the way, there'd be less gossip. Church people would be a lot more safe to be confessing their sins if they knew that people were praying because you can't gossip when you're talking to God. Anytime someone's gossiping, I know this, they're not praying. They're not praying. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I, I want to read that one again. The earnest prayer, notice the word earnest, of righteous person, of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Ah, love this stuff. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That's beautiful stuff, isn't it? That's just beautiful stuff. Here's the first thing I want to do, and I want you to write these down. James gives us three specific reasons to pray. Here's the first one. When I'm hurting emotionally. The first thing he says, why you should pray is when you're hurting emotionally. Verse 13, if any of you are in trouble, he should pray. The Greek word for trouble here means to be under stress. It means to be under tension. He's talking about that emotional stuff. In Paul's letter to Timothy, it's translated hardships. Anybody been there? Yeah. What James is saying is when you are emotionally rattled, whether it be financially or relationally, okay, 
when life's gotten hard. Am I alone here? <laughs> okay, James says, pray. Pray. In short, let me say it this way. Go to his throne before you go to your phone. Talk with God before you talk it out with man. Go to God in prayer. What David did, David in Psalm 18 says what? In my distress, when I'm struggling emotionally, he says, I called upon the Lord and he answered me. Let's talk about this. Have you ever been emotionally distraught? What's going through your mind right now? I think one of the biggest things is, I don't know, I want to piggyback on something you said about people on their butts, basically being camel butts, is because we don't know how to pray. We think God is some magic genie. We think we're going to rub the lamp and automatically if we say something and then we wish for three wishes and we rub the lamp and then all of a sudden everything will just happen miraculously and then it's not the case. It's that we're impatient. You know, that's a human feeling in us that we're so impatient that when we ask for things, we want it right now, right now, right now, instead of understanding that it's almost a process that we go and ask for him. If you're asking it from your heart instead of your head or emotionally, you know, then it'll happen. But you have to be patient with it. You know, you have to see it when it happens because a lot of times we miss it when it happens. You know, we make the prayer for something and then it actually happens and we don't see it. And so then we get angry because we didn't see it. We missed the whole thing. Uh, I have a tendency to feel guilty when things are going bad and I want to pray. Um, it's like, well, why weren't you praying when things were going good? You know, uh, it's like the, you know, the airplane crashing and everybody's saying prayers. Um, but I don't feel that way as much anymore. Uh, Don and I have brought prayer into our house uh, much more than ever before. And so I feel comfortable when things are good and bad, uh, and I'm not guilty about saying, hey, man, help, help me out, you know? So. Yeah, I, um, through the years, I have found taking a breath. You know, it used to be if you got in an argument, you just kind of said what you thought, and your kids were not doing what you wanted them to do, or... <laughs> um, no, my kids are grown, but they still don't always do what I want them to do, right? Okay. But when I, when I go to talk to them, I pray before I talk to them. I ask him to speak so that it's not as harsh as it's feeling right now, or um, it, it, <clears throat> it makes sense to them, and they don't feel like I'm condemning them. I don't want my kids to ever feel condemned, but sometimes when a parent's trying to say something even to grown kids, they think we're judging them, and it's not judgment at all. I'm just trying to save them one extra ditch that I took so they don't have to ride that. They can stay a little bit straighter. And so I do that before I talk to Mark about a sensitive subject, like I want to buy something. Um, you know, I, I need to say, hey, honey, but I say a prayer before it's the, the honey time. But, it, you know, those are just times when I feel like I save a lot more struggle if I pray first instead of just spouting what my flesh wants to spout. Oh, I love that you pray first. It's <laughs> happened to me where I've gone to the phone before the throne, like you said. I remember being on the phone with my sister and whatever it was, something maybe at work or in relationships or whatever, and I literally had to catch myself and stop because I realized that I was just spewing and sharing and I hadn't filtered through with God first. And so that conversation kind of quickly ended and I'm like, hey, you know what, I, I just need a minute. So mm -hmm. 
had to reverse and go to the throne before the phone. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I can tell in my spirit if I have not been praying enough. Because what you said is so right. If, if there's a worry in me, I haven't been praying because you can't do that. If there's ungratefulness in me, I haven't been praying. If there's hardship or bitter, I haven't been praying because the two can't coexist. And so it's always a measurement for me of going, oh, I'm feeling so in my spirit. Man, I, I've not been praying enough. I need, to, I need to pray right now on that. So James tells us that we're to pray when we're hurting emotionally. But the second thing he says, we need to pray when we're hurting physically. When we're hurting physically. Verses 14 through 15, he says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, I love these words, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Now, this is important. You want to write this down. The word sick in the Greek literally means without strength. That's what he's talking about, without strength. This is when you feel totally wasted. You've been there, fatigued, bedridden, or unable to work. That's what James is talking. James says, then call the elders. And, and this is, again, I want to repeat this again. Because, because what he's saying is, you're, it's important to have a church family. Who are you going to call? How many people are in isolation and loneliness? They don't understand the power of the church and, and, the, and the brothers and sisters they have. The community that they have access to. Now, I want to do something here, and I'm a, I'm a little uh, concerned about this because I, I don't want us to lose track here, and I don't want us to get off base, but there's a lot of teaching about healing, and I want to quickly speak into that because some of them very much concern me. And so I, I want to help you with that just a little bit and, and offer some thoughts. Here, here's the first group that I get concerned about. I, I call them the sensationalist. Those would be those maybe faith healers that you might see on television. Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I have a legit concern, and I'm inviting you, make sure you're discerning on this, because often they're flamboyant. There's a lot of emotion. They tend to shout at people, and there tends to be some slapping on the heads. And, and it, it concerns me sometimes. Again, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying be discerning, because every time I read about Jesus, I've never seen him slap somebody on the head. Okay, I know one time he spit in the dirt. But most often when you watch Jesus, Jesus would heal a lot in quiet. He would either remove the person from the crowd or remove the crowd from the person. And then when Jesus was done, do you remember what he would often say? Don't tell anyone. And so when it comes to discernment, this is what I always put in my, in my own mind, and I run it through. Jesus was all about making impact, not making an impression. And this, so it concerns me, okay? It just concerns me. By the way, let me just say this, okay? Just because a miracle happens doesn't mean it's of God. That's right. yeah, that's right. I, I, I want to quote Jesus out of Matthew 7. Many will come to me, on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many miracles in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so I get concerned when people stop. Sometimes there's a lot of emotionalism and it feels like the spirit was there and it wasn't. You can go to a lot of secular concerts and feel that same emotion. 
So be discerning. Be discerning. Uh, another group of people that I get concerned about, I call the legalist. Not the sensationalist, the legalist. They're the ones that you would say, name it and claim it. Okay, and I want to help you with that for a moment. See, they tend to teach that God's will is for everyone to be healed. Okay? Here's the problem. Because in that same teaching, they would say this. Therefore, when you're not, it's because you lacked faith. And I see a lot of people walking around with a lot of guilt, and my God's not about guilt. Amen. Okay? See, I think that one's dangerous. Here's my concern for those who believe that, and I want you to listen. I wonder what they do with what Peter wrote, those who suffer according to the will of God. Peter wrote that. What do you do with what Peter said? There are those who will suffer according to the will of God. See, the fact is, sometimes suffering is God's will, and never forget it took a death on the cross to get to the resurrection of the life. And he could have called 10,000 angels. See, James taught, he teaches us that God does heal, but sometimes he does not. And I'm going to speak to that in just a moment. Here's the third reason, okay? James says we need to pray. He says when I'm hurting spiritually. He says when I'm hurting spiritually. See, James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, you have to understand, in Jesus' day, okay, in fact, even today, all right, some believe that sickness is a result of sin. I've known people like that. If you're sick, it's because there's sin in your life. And when you confess it, you'll get healed, all right? And by the way, at times, that can be true. But what do you do with John chapter 9? And if you want to go to John 9, I want to show you something that Jesus said. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Now watch what the disciples say. Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now Jesus is going to blow that teaching out of the water. Jesus answered, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is where he spit on the ground, he made mud, and then he opened the guy's eyes. Of course, not even in the moment. He says, you need to go wash, all right? And the guy goes and washes, and, and the rest is history. But I want to I say this because here's the reality. Sometimes sickness is brought on by our own ignorance and our own choosing and our own poor choices. Is that fair? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. Bad decisions, okay, when it comes to, like, uh, what I eat, okay, not sleeping, not exercising, Ailments are a possibility. Is that fair? That's true. Okay. Uh, what if I ignore the word of God and I choose to worry and fret and be anxious? I know people have gotten ulcers that didn't need to get an ulcer. Okay. If I allow resentment to build up in my spirit, that'll take a toll on you. Okay. How many times have you heard these words? Life is not what you eat. It's what you allow to eat you. <laughs> See, we know this to be true. We're whole beings, people. We're made up of a body, soul, and a spirit. 
There's a physical part. There's an emotional part. There's a spiritual part. That's why James tells us we need to pray because of these three areas. And when my spirit is out of kilter, it affects my emotions. And when my emotions are out of kilter, it affects my body. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to go to God. He made us this way. Now, I, I want to speak into this, and then I want us to talk here for a moment. Uh, I've been asked many times as a pastor, Pastor, you got to help me. Why was so-and-so healed and, and some other people weren't? And I'm going to help you with this, okay? It's a great question, and I'm going to give you the answer. I don't know. And, and I want you to listen to this. When people have the answer to that question, those are the ones I fear. I've heard so many things that are so damaging. I've seen little children die and I've heard people make a statement, well, God need another flower in his flower garden. You really think that's what God did? You really think that God's purpose and plan for that family was to steal from them so he could have another flower? And so we quickly want to have answers. And I've done enough children's funerals to say, I don't have any answers, but I know the one who does. And if you're one of those people that have just been really, really hurt deeply, and you're asking God, why? That's a great question. The Psalms are filled with David going, why? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to, first of all, uh, encourage you, keep saying that. Keep talking to God and asking why. Because I say this all the time to people, if we don't run to God, who are we going to run to? And if you don't run to God, whatever you run to, in the end, do you think it's going to be worth it? God's okay with our questions. It's okay, people. So run to God, okay? Run to God. And so I want to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about how do we pray then effectively? James is going to show us, but, but talk. What's going through your mind? We ask the questions, and I think sometimes we're afraid to ask. I think that fear of asking the questions as if that fear and guilt come into question is if, if we ask why. You know, you don't want, you don't want, we don't want to feel guilty. Our pride and all, all these things, all these emotions come into us, and we don't want to ask why. I know for me, that happened to me when my sister passed away. You know, and I've, I've asked us, why, God? Why? You know, and... Still haven't gotten an answer, but I still keep asking. Every year on her anniversary and her birthday comes up, I ask, why? You know, why her? You know, and like I said, I don't know the answer to that, obviously, but, and, and I just keep asking the question, you know, cause, and it helps me to ask that question, too. And it helps me, to, brings me back to this, and also make, helps me remember her, too, that I don't forget her, you know, for me. It's about, part of healing for me. I appreciate using the scripture out of John because I remember when my parents were going through divorce and I'm in ninth grade, I mean, I claimed the verse that if two or more agree on anything, it'll be done. So I agreed with somebody on it and I prayed and I knew it and I knew a specific thing was going to happen and I had no doubt in my faith and everything else and it didn't happen. And so in that case, immediately I went to, I, I, I was, I was wrong. There must be something wrong with me or all that kind of thing. Obviously, I was younger in my faith at that point. But no, obviously, it was out of my control at that point. But it didn't mean that God wasn't hearing my prayer at all. He was hearing all my prayers. But there's certain things that, that especially in that kind of situation, that he doesn't even have control over <laughs> because it involves two other people's decisions. 
you know, beyond that. And that was just part of something that I, I appreciate you saying because I know people have taken that and they thought, it's my fault that that didn't happen. No, it's not. It's not. I feel like sometimes people um, want to say something at a funeral or somewhere to soothe somebody. They don't realize how hurtful it can feel because we, we as humans, especially mamas, want to make somebody feel better. But sometimes it's, it's better to just not say anything, you know, because we don't know. Um, years and years ago, I went to a funeral um, where a dad had run over his little girl. And there's just no, I mean, there's just nothing to say. And one of the ladies in the kitchen, I was doing dishes. That was always my job, was doing dishes. I liked that job. Uh, because I just was busy the whole time and have to think. And one of the ladies came up and she put her arm on my shoulder and she said, it's okay to not know, but it's not okay to not pray. So the kitchen ladies all prayed together. It was the most beautiful moment because none of us knew what to say, you know, to the parents. We just, yeah. we just prayed. And, and so that, that stuck with me a long time. It's, say that one more time. Those are incredible words. She said, it's okay to not know, but it's not okay to not pray. I think that's exactly what God invites us in prayer. That's why we continue to pray, pray without ceasing. We may not understand, but we're constantly having conversation with the one who does. Amen to that? And so how do we pray effectively? How do we pray? Well, I want to keep these simple, but I, because I think James keeps it simple. Here's the first thing. Ask. That God invites us to come. Just ask, but, but can I be honest? Be specific. It's kind of like those little child letters and, and little Joyce wrote, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but I pray for a puppy, you know? <laughs> um, I love that. You know, by the way, we got a puppy. I'm praying for a baby brother. <laughs> um, so it's just nuts. It's just crazy. James 4, we go back a chapter. Here's what James says. You do not have because you do not ask. You know, I think we need to be like the three-year-old little boy who went to the grocery store with his mother. I love this story. Before they entered the grocery store, she made it crystal clear, we are not going to get any chocolate chip cookies, so do not ask. She put him in the cart and off they went. He was doing fine until they came to the cookie section. Mom, can, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? No, she said, we just talked about this. I told you, don't even ask. They continued down another aisle, but in search for a certain item, they mistakenly ended up in the cookie aisle again. Uh, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She couldn't believe her ears. I told you no. Now sit down and be quiet. Finally, approaching the checkout lane, he figured out it was his last chance. So he stood up on the seat of the cart and he shouted in the loudest voice to the entire store, In the name of Jesus, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? Everybody within listening ear roared in laughter. In fact, some even applauded. And in their response, a little boy and mother left with 23 boxes of chocolate <laughs> chip cookies. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, you know, you know, there's power in the name. Isn't that what James said? When you pray, anoint them in oil in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. But we just need to ask. I think too often uh, we have what I call food prayers. You know, we don't even think about what we're saying. 
we just do a prayer, we go through the motion. I just wonder if God's like listening like the teacher in Charlie Brown. You know, want, want, want. get specific. I mean, I, I've heard people say, but if I'm specific, what if God doesn't answer? Then I feel like a failure. And I always say this, but what if he does? <laughs> You'll never know unless you ask. And that's what Jesus said, ask. Be specific. Here's number two. James says, but you better have the right motive. Now, motive is a big deal. James 4 verse 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive. And here's what he says, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow. Can I tell you something about God? He only responds to a genuine heart. That's the spirit stuff. I mean, God's perfect. The Spirit's perfect. And we need to be honest before God. See, I, let me kind of help you with that. Here's a wrong motive. That when I pray to get something I want from God, that's a wrong motive. Can I tell you what the right motive is? I pray because I want to get closer to God. Here's another wrong motive. That it would benefit me and make me known. Like, God bless my ministry. First of all, it's not my ministry. There's a part of God going, well, if you want it, you can have it. <laughs> you know, good luck with that. But here's the right motive, to benefit the kingdom and make Jesus known. What's the motive when we pray? What is it that we really desire? And if, and if we're willing to really listen to ourselves, you might find yourself doing a lot of confessing. That's not a bad place to be. Because God listens to a contrite heart. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for an honest heart. That's a heart of character. And so we need to ask. But when we do, we need to ask with the right motive. Now, there's two more steps in this. But talk to me. What's going through your mind? We were talking about this last night. We have someone that um, had come to, to us with an exposed prayer that said that um, they were asking for something in comfort for themselves. And it was really, it's, it's kind of turned into a teaching moment that we get to go back and kind of help them understand that just what you said. Um, when you ask for yourself to either run away from something or to gain comfort for yourself, um, you've set yourself up for two things. One, your answer is probably not going to come. But two, your faith is also going to be challenged too. You know, like for me, every morning I go to work, you know, I say a prayer before I start my shift for my coworkers to be safe and for my inmates to be safe. You know, and I specifically make sure that I do that. And I do that while I'm actually washing my hands, actually. So I always, and that's my routine. And it's like my routine, this is what I'm going to do. And I, and I also notice when I don't do it. You know, there's been a couple of days when I've gotten to work and I've had to be, get on the floor and be on start my shift. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't, you know, and I get home and I said, oh, man, did I pray this morning? I didn't. You know, so then I say I prayed at night, you know. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm 70 years old and I'm still learning how to pray. Uh, thanks a lot to my wife, but uh, trying to keep it simple and, and to the point and not beat around the bush, you know, for crying out loud. God knows what you're thinking. Uh, if you want to drop to your knees, all the better and, and say it. And uh, so that's, I'm, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that away from today. Here's the third. And so we talk about asking and be specific and then check the motives. 
But here's the third thing that James tells us. Live a clean life. Live a clean life. What do you say? The prayers of the righteous. Okay? That's the effective prayer. That's the powerful prayer. Now listen, I'm not suggesting perfection. I, I'm suggesting righteousness. And let me tell you the differences, okay? Perfection is something that you and I want to chase because I want to be perfect like Christ is. And Christ said, as I'm perfect, you be perfect. That's my heart's desire. But righteousness is how you stand before God. God doesn't judge us in our imperfection when we have a heart that's confession, okay? Does that make sense? Because I want to be right for God. I want to be righteous. And only Jesus can do that. And so that's what I'm talking about, a clean life. Listen to what David said in Psalm 66. He says, if I hide my sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Isn't it amazing how many times we, we talk with God as if somehow he hasn't a clue? Like, he, you think he saw that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if he got the text. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so here's the deal. If I'm willingly and I'm knowingly doing something that I know is displeasing to God, my prayers are not going to be affected. They're going to fall in deaf ears. In fact, a lot of things, okay, are never going to be effective. Proverbs 28, verse 9, He that turneth his back from the hearing of the law, even his prayers are an abomination. What's he talking about? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey the word. If we're in being disobedience, our prayers are an abomination. It's, it's like you're making a joke of God. How can, you, how can you talk with me? In fact, I want you to listen very carefully. According to Jesus, if you've been wronged, Jesus says to leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. See, I always say this, whether you're the offender or the offendee, the ball is always in your, co- your court to make it right if you're a Christian. According to Jesus. That's the heart of prayer. I just want to make things right. I just want to make sure everything's here. Because when we're here, oh, wow, the power of prayer here. It's an amazing thing. And so James says, you need to have a clean life. Here's number four. He says, believe. When you pray, believe. You know, there's a tale told about a small town that had been historically dry. There had been no alcohol in town, nowhere in town, until a local businessman decided, I'm going to build a bar. Well, a group of Christians from the local church were outraged, and they began all-night prayer meetings to ask God to intervene. And crazy it may sound, shortly afterwards, lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. Woo! Power of prayer, right? The owner of the bar now sued the church, claiming that their prayers were responsible, but the church went out and hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not. The presiding judge after his initial review of the case, stated this, and I quote his words, you know, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The bar owner, he believes in the power of prayer, and obviously the Christians don't. Isn't that wild? I told you about the pastor who invited his congregation to come to the church because they're going to pray for rain because it had been so parched for how many years, and they needed rain. But when the people started arriving and getting out of their cars, the pastor shut the door and said, we're not praying. You don't even believe. And they go, why? And he says, where's your umbrellas? (laughs) See, that's what 
that's what James says. He says, believe. He says in the very first chapter, he says, when you ask God, you must believe. You must believe. Jesus said what? According to your faith, it shall be done. Here's what, here's what belief does. Belief doesn't mean, well, I know God can. Belief means that I know he will. You don't talk about what God can do. You're looking for what he's going to do. That's belief. See, I want to be a church that, that believes. I want to be a church that lives in the miraculous. And, and every time we pray, um, I don't want to hear the devil say, ah, oh, crap, because we're praying. <laughs> I want the devil go, oh, Christ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I want. Amen to that? Amen. I like the man who describes his prayers this way. This is great. You might want to write this down. He says, when I pray, I push. P-U-S-H. I push. Just write those four letters down. When everything goes wrong in my life, I just push. When the job gets me down, I just push. When people don't react the way I think they should, I just push. When my money looks funny and the bills are due and I can't pay them, I just push. When I want to curse people out for whatever reason, I just push. When people just don't understand me, I just push. Because for me, push stands for pray until something happens. I like that. What's going through your mind? One of the verses that ran through my head when you shared that was, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Because that is, I grew up Catholic, so confession was a regular part of that. But in my adult life, I had kind of gotten out of that practice. And it wasn't until that, that element of confession came back into my life, um, I found a trusted friend and was able to share some things and just uh, the release that happened from that. And then I felt closer to God after that moment too. So. Um, that is something that stood out to me when you shared that element of confession. When I, um, when I speak with kids or, or someone I'm, I'm working with and they come to me and want to know why everything's going wrong, and I'm like, well, what have you, what have you been doing? Where has where your heart been? Have you opened your Bible? When's the last time you took the pages and you actually touched them? And... Well, I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't even know where it's at. Well, that might be part of our problem. You know, uh, he's first. And he, he, he's love. You know, you talk about that all the time. He is love. But he also can't go against what he's set forth. So if, 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 he, if he knows you're living an unblessable life, he can't bless you until you've cleaned up you can't pick and choose which commandments we want to be, and we can't pick and choose what words in here we want. And and so many of us do that. We get, you know, strong-willed, or we get, oh, he doesn't mean it in that part of the Bible. And it's like, no, he really does. So um, I, I have a saying on our wall, and I tell everyone when they come in, we believe this. Our family is loud. We're loving. We're forgiving. You know, we have all these different things that we are. But, but the most important thing is that we trust God. And so I, when I'm working with someone, the first thing is if, if we're living for him, then he's going to give us the right answer. And it might not be the one we thought we were going to get, but we're going to get an answer. But he can't bless something when it's for you and, and picking, picking, your, picking your Bible. 
I hate it when we pick our Bible. And I do it too, and I don't want to do that. That's a good word. You know, for all of you that are listening and watching right now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Sometimes you'll hear pastors talk about put your hands toward the Bible, but I want you to turn your hands like this. You can just rest them on your knees. And I just want to, I want to lead you in a prayer. Because righteousness doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means you desire to be like the one who is. And you come to him and you're being honest and you're saying, God, as David said, uh, check my heart, search me, oh God, he said. Find those things that are impure in my life and those things that I need to make right. And, and later in life, several thousand years later, the Bible says, and David was a man for God's own heart. That's why God spoke to him because his desire was always to be right with God. And so I'm just asking you this, that this is a uh, symbol that I'm open, God, and that God is searching us. And I'm just asking you to bow your heads right now. And Father, I believe right now everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, God, they want to be a righteous person. They want to be a person that has an incredible love language and a speaking language, a prayer life with you. That, God, they realize it's not about fancy words. It's not about needing a title. It's just about being themselves, being honest, approaching you and sharing the deepest of fears and frustrations. God, we see that over and over in the Psalms. David crying out. He didn't understand. He was angry at times. God, even angry with you. But he knew to run to. And he always worked that out. And the Bible says, that's a man after my heart. God, he had questions, but he knew who to run to. He didn't always understand how it was going to be answered, or even if it was. But he knew that you were faithful. He just knew you were God and that you loved him. And his life was marked and checkered by so many failures. But he had a faith, an unresolved faith that said, but I know who my God is. And I know he loves me. And I know he has the best for me. And so right now, I'm just in the quietness of wherever you're at. Let God search you. And when you feel him prompting your spirit and bringing something to mind, confess it instantly, immediately. And maybe you need to do it out loud where you're at, but just confess it to God. He knows. Is it anger? Confess it. Just tell God, God, I have such an anger problem. I get so mad too quickly. Is it jealousy? Always looking over somebody else's fence? Is it gossip? Is it pornography? Whatever it is. Is it dishonesty? Just confess it to God. The Bible says, and if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive. See, it's in that that it, the intimacy of prayer is understood. In the cleansliness of that, God's writing motives, God's having conversation, dialogue begins to happen. It's so beautiful. But believe, believe that God loves you. Believe that you are worthy to speak to Him. Believe that you can make request of him. He said, ask anything in my name. Father, I thank you for the incredible gift of prayer. I think it's so under misunderstood so often. People listen to pastors and, Lord, we've been guilty of teaching people wrongly because we can use fancy words and it sounds so righteous and holy. 
And God, sometimes I fear it's because of show, which makes it unrighteous and unholy. And yet you said, come with a heart of a child. And how do children speak? <laughs> the innocent, the honesty of it, the simplicity of it. God, that we're in dialogue with you. That's what you desire. That God, it's ongoing. And that we just speak with you. And by doing so, you are speaking to us. And a beautiful thing happens in the intimacy of our lives and a relationship grows where our prayer life begins to change because the more we know you and understand and talk with you, the more we're assured of the Father that you are and the more confident we are in how we approach and request of you. So God, I pray that we take James' word and in every area of our lives, we pray. When we feel tired and weak physically, we're emotionally strained, when we're spiritually just unresolved, we can pray and we can talk with God. And the Bible says, and you hear our prayers. God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.